Hey, where are you guys going to be this weekend? Oh, snap. I'll be at the West Palm Beach Improv this Friday, this Saturday, this Sunday. Yes, I don't take the Lord's Day off. And then I go right to Richmond, Virginia, the Funny Bone, June 3rd, June 4th. Get your tickets. I then go to Omaha, Nebraska, June, what is that, 10th and 11th, yep. Omaha, Nebraska. And at the end of the month, June 30th, July 1, July 2, I'm at the Ontario Improv. Daddy is going to be in Holland, Michigan, this Thursday, May 26th, and then Grand Rapids, May 27th, and May 28th. Then the following weekend, I am in, I can't wait, Columbus, Ohio at the Funny Bone. Then I'm in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and at Hilarity is one of my favorite clubs. And then Ooh, Dayton, great Ohio club. Great club. at the Funny Bone on the 3rd, I believe. Is that the 3rd or the 4th? The fourth. And then on January, uh, June 9th, I'm in San Diego, two shows with Eddie Bravo, Jay Nice, X Sheen, and finally... The last one, sorry. June 17th, Tallahassee. June 18th, Jacksonville. Come, get it. Weird. When people ask, is everything a conspiracy? The answer is yes. Who and what is controlling everything and why? They, they practice sorcery. I can't argue against magic. <laughs> I don't know what it is that we live on, but I believe it's a realm. This realm that we live in is the lowest level of heaven, highest level of hell. Chicken snake gods and the Anunnaki and sorcery. If Sam says the chicken snake god is running everything, I'm literally in the world of crazy. <laughs> I'm winning. <laughs> You're losing. Conspiracy Social Club, AKA Deep Waters. Deep Waters. Deep Waters. All right, guys, welcome to Conspiracy Social Club. Thank you guys for tuning in. We got a great show for you. Very excited to have our guest on today. Uh, today's show, we have guest Jay Dyer from jaysanalysis.com. Uh, he's going to sit down. He's going to talk about all of his research and uh, watch about, Brian. About Hollywood, about the occult. About, about the occult, about Hollywood, mind control. CIA secret mind societies, control. the Rockefellers. It's a killer episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, Jay? Oh, Jay's in? Yeah, he's right there. Why don't you intro what we're going to do here, Sam? Oh, I'm waiting for the intro. You can't see him? No. I can see him. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, Jay. We're having technical difficulties. Why don't you just introduce him, and then we'll we'll bring him on. Okay, if that's how you really feel about it, bro. Yeah, yeah. There he is. Whoa. Look at that. Jay, you look intense as fuck. Jay is intense as fuck. Jay fucks intense, too. <laughs> oh man shit Jay uh, first of all um, go ahead and introduce because I'm first of all I want to say our guest is impressing me already because he's got a lot of books behind him dude now, well you know uh, that's so, a reader so here's yeah so here's what happens on the show you know Jason uh, you know uh, Brian and I debate Brian yells about oh let me see I, I read books so I, so I decided to bring somebody on who writes books Jay's written a bunch of books. He's one of the um, the best in the business. He's one of the best researchers out there. He is, uh, he is now on Rockfin as well. And uh, please welcome my good friend and soon to be yours, Jay Dyer. How are you, Jay? 
I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Yeah, I was looking forward to this last time. I was going to be on arguing with the guys with Isaac, and I got the time zones wrong. So my mind doesn't do time zones. I don't know how they work. So, Jay, what, what is it that you uh, specialize in? What is your um, What is your thing? Well, I did two books on Hollywood and the history of mafia, cult, mind control stuff relating to film. Uh, we did a season of a TV show based on that book. I host the fourth hour of Alex Jones. So I cover a lot of the geopolitical stuff. So uh, I do a lot of different things. That's, that's all of that in one package. Do you consider yourself a conspiracy theorist? Oh, come on, man. I like the I mean, term espionage researcher doesn't that sound sexier than conspiracy yeah i like that i like that better i like that i'm already liking jay please welcome espionage researcher jay dyer everybody i love it man um let's talk let's get hold into on this. brian you gotta at least give him credit for the fucking the suit jacket he's wearing i'm loving i mean like i'm look loving at this everything guy. about this guy i like his this guy's hair. dangerous i like the dude. intensity in his face i, I wear i wear boomer stuff it's like Mommy Vice slash Boomer style. So I got a Boomer hat with a flamenco. That's my logo. Dude, I can see you getting your own like detective show on TNT, dude. <laughs> well, they say that if you have a flamingo in the front lawn, you're a swinger. Oh, really? Yeah, that's I've heard that. So, so listen, I'm all about the flamingo. I, I've heard that. Lifestyle. Fast forward to uh, Brian's house. There's like 40 flamingos outside <laughs> it. <laughs> my so, girl's not into swinging, but you know. I, I, oh, so you've you've approached. Well, I mean, every man. I mean, look, if you want to shake it up. Don't but, open that door, dude, because yeah. they could. The, they dude, my love, buddy right? did that. They might meet a guy. Dude, there'll they, be a conga line of dick on your lady. I've heard I've heard that there. there I know a couple that, that did some swinging, and uh, she fell in love with, uh, he was a captain of a ship, yeah. I guess. And El Capitan ended up. Pussy bones connect to the heart bone, bro. <laughs> so listen, Jay. So the reason I want to bring you on is because, you know, Brian Callen is one of my best friends and we, we, we debate conspiracies on this show. He doesn't like to, uh, and he doesn't believe that there are v invisible hands at work, whether it's in government or whether it is in particular Hollywood and what they use Hollywood for like MK ultra stuff. Uh, because Brian's worked in Hollywood for uh, like a while, like over like 60 years. <laughs> and um, so I saw he... the cabana skit from Mad yes, TV. Yes, thank you, thank you. High art, high art, my friend. Yeah. I dance in a Speedo and high heeled sneakers. Now, he, here's, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a statement, Jay, and I want to I wanna hear your, what you have to say about it. In, in terms of like Hollywood, and I want to hear what sort of excited you about researching this and getting involved in what Hollywood's role in mind control or I, I do think that Hollywood almost always tends to lean very liberal and and let's say left wing or whatever it might be and I think a lot of that has to do with just the fact that there are two things going on one artists tend to be open to all possibilities they tend to have sort of a it's almost it's almost necessary to have an open mindset to everything if, if you're doing things. And so that, that'll tend to lean itself, you know, in that direction. And it's probably why people in New York and, and the cities who live close to each other, a lot of studies on that tend to be more liberal. So you've got, you know, I said, why is the press so liberal? Well, a lot of them come from New York. A lot of them come from LA, or at least they've been educated in these universities. And it's just a you get infected or you get, you get influenced by the thought patterns and the spirit around you. So 
my, my feeling is that my experience with Hollywood is there's that going on. And then there's a lot of pressure in Hollywood to be to toe the party line. I mean, if you came out in Hollywood and said, I'm a Trump fan or even a Republican, you'd have a tough time getting work. I, I know this for a fact. And that's that's been the case for a very long time. But especially since Trump came to power, uh, you, you're not getting a job. You're just not. I mean, you can say what you want, but it's really hard. And I know a lot of actors and directors who are in these sort of secret Republican societies. And, and you know, I'm not in any of those. I, I never I, I don't like joining groups, but but it is true that if you're even if you, you lean conservative, wink. if you lean conservative, yeah. you, you can be ostracized. So that's what I have to say. I want to hear. Did you ask a question? That, well, I want to hear. I want to hear what 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 it was about, um, you know, Hollywood that caused you to start researching. Yeah. What, what did you find interesting that we don't know? Well, when I was in high school, I was always kind of a uh, artsy drama type of dude. Um, I was uh, uh, in theater and all that stuff. And I wanted to, to do movies. I wanted to do stand up and all that kind of stuff. And so I've always loved film. It's just one of my passions. And then about the time that I was in undergrad, I started studying uh, espionage, that kind of stuff. And then I started noticing weird patterns of a lot of actors, actresses, especially A-list people in, in the past that had been informants or outright total spies for uh, the OSS or even the CIA. And that there's many documented cases of this, including professional sports players. And so those were some of the examples that just kind of got my thought process rolling on this. It's not obviously a proof of a grand conspiracy. And I would add that I agree with you that we can't speak in, in total generalities, right? I mean, there's a lot of different things going on at different levels. So what you're saying is certainly true. I don't deny that. Um, and, and it's not mutually exclusive, right? You can have those kinds of things going on at different strata of society, as well as people at the top trying to do and manipulate through the arts. And so a couple of examples that come to mind, if you go back to the beginning uh, days of you know early Hollywood, Howard Hughes was doing war propaganda. And so that was one of the first things that struck me as surprising was that some of the blockbusters of the 20s, like Hell's Angels, these were actually filmed partly to be war propaganda films. So I started wondering, well, maybe other blockbusters have, you know, usages for propaganda. Maybe they tie into um, geopolitical narratives, this kind of stuff. And lo and behold, especially in the last uh, maybe 10, 15, 20 years, we've seen the CIA actually come out and do open consulting on a lot of films. Now, I think that they were doing that kind of privately uh, all along. But now, especially there was a film, I think it was 2002, one to The Recruit with uh, Al Pacino and uh, Colin Farrell. That was the first film that the CIA openly recruited and consulted on, or excuse me, openly consulted on. And then we get later on uh, more of an open relationship with the CIA's two uh, Hollywood consultants, uh, Chase Brandon, Milt Bearden, and they actually consulted on uh, quite a few films, including comedies. Now, I'm not saying that because they consulted on it, it, it's proving a grand conspiracy, but it does show a level of communication and, and coordination that most people, you know, haven't thought about or don't really know much about. And by the way, that extends to the 16 total intelligence agencies uh, of the U.S. government. There's coordination consultation in films, even to the point of revising scripts. Uh, that's happened, in fact, multiple academics, right? So I, so I started studying this at an academic Yeah, level. just to interrupt you, because Zero Dark Thirty, I heard. Yeah, I was Zero Dark Thirty, they had access, and what, what apparently happened was, if you watch the movie, it's like, oh, that's how they do it. And what apparently happened was, 
that the CIA agents that told them how it was done secretly, right. they were that was a head fake because that's not how it was done. I actually know guys yep. who were like, "That's bull. That's that's great story," but they get they were given the head fake. So it was yep. like, "Oh yeah, we'll tell you how to do it," and it was deception in that sense. It's kind of genius because they, yeah, they did have access. Yeah, and they, they were like, "Yeah, we'll show you how it was done," and this is that is actually not how they caught and Bin Laden. Exactly. Which you is remember shocking. Sally Fields and Tom Hanks in uh, Punchline? Yeah, and you're watching that, and I just I think I just started staying up, or I wanted to start, and I'm like, "That's not real. <laughs> yeah. That's not you don't stay you don't start staying up, and a week later you're doing the Tonight Show. That's right. That's right." That's right. That's that's how that's how. A lot yeah, of and, and um, let's not forget too that, that I mean, there have been many movies like that. Uh, that that whole Chris Kyle thing, that that movie I think was American Sniper. That was another one of these kind of propaganda films. So I, I got back. My dad was like in the in the Navy in the eighties, right? So he fell for that Top Gun recruitment type stuff in the eighties when and what Reagan had actually allocated all his money for recruitment films. And so you got movies like Top Gun, Iron Eagle, like each military has like their own you know goofy uh recruitment film so i kind of grew up in that military family lifestyle living near the base and all that stuff and so i saw you know not a lot my dad wasn't like a high level person or anything but um it did allow me to kind of meet and, and talk to some interesting people over time um i did eventually interview the uh former head of black ops uh right after uh, I guess during the nineties, he would have been the head of black ops. And so we had some interesting conversations. He had a lot to say about Hollywood kind of stuff. Um, so that kind of, again, that sort of led me further down this rabbit hole of looking at other figures. And another way to make this connection is to look at somebody like Ian Fleming, who did the whole bond series. If you don't know James Bond, well, Fleming was himself a high level British. Uh, he was actually Naval intelligence. And so when he writes the bond stories, he's actually not just basing it on old, stories of old British spies. Uh, it's kind of an amalgamation of characters, but also uh, his own operations. Like, so he had been involved in operations in World War II, like Operation GoldenEye. And so you get some of these, some of these stories kind of encoding what the British intelligence operatives had done. And we know that if you know the history of British spy fiction, that goes all the way back to people like Graham Greene, uh, our man in Havana, right? And those stories have all these interesting narratives about false flags, this kind of stuff. So I kept noticing that pattern and that's what led me to just go way like crazy down the rabbit hole studying yes. this topic. Uh, and that demonstrates just the angle of, of intelligence operations and movies having a deep connection. Think about Argo, right? What's the story of Argo is that the movie itself was a cover for the CIA uh, in that uh, 19, was it 79 Iranian revolution to go in and get hostages and this kind of stuff. That also, by the way, is a cover narrative, I believe. But um, there's some, there's a lot, so there's a ton of that going on. Yeah. Uh, there's again famous people. Julia Child's OSS, right? The famous TV. Is that crazy? Julia Child was wow. networks were OSS, uh, Paley, Sarnoff. So all these people coming and, and out. And to, of, to uh, piggyback on that, you know, Patty Jenkins transition over into Hollywood. Um, there's yeah. even uh, evidence that Jimmy Stewart, right? He worked uh, as an, a kind of informant for the FBI. Uh, Errol Flynn was rumored to be a spy for the Germans. Cary Grant uh, was actually uh, doing uh, informant work. Uh, so there's many, many cases of this. That's just one angle of like the government and, and right Hollywood tying in. And then there's other elements too. You've got secret societies and cults, which I think also tie in directly to the intelligence agencies. So uh, it's a never ending rabbit hole and, and we can keep going. But those are just two examples right there, like modern movies and Ian Fleming, where you see a direct parallel between the world of Hollywood and the world of intelligence.
And I don't know if you're aware of this, but Patty Jenkins um, told me one time, uh, Patty Jenkins is directing the new, uh, can you hear me? I don't me? have any sound from you guys. <clears throat> can you hey, hear me now? Can you hear we us? Have, we have a, a car outside kind of roughing the tent. Yeah, some guy with little dicks on a motorcycle. Yeah. But but can you hear me now? No sound. Hey, I'm not, I don't mean to snap at you. Oh, no, 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 I'm no. sorry, but I don't know how to get a hold of you without no, no. stopping. So no I don't mean to be no, no, disrespectful. No um, hey, uh, so so what, what I was going to say is that Patty Jenkins, who who directed um, Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman Two, and is going to do the new Star Wars movie, and she's a big director. And what she told me um, about, I, I think it was probably five, actually ten years ago or whatever, the CIA reached out to a bunch of directors uh, and writers in Hollywood, and she went to this room where all of them that she met with these these operatives or I don't know, this the, the top brass. And they, what, they, it was kind of ingenious because they said, look, you guys are creative and you guys are always coming up with these great movies. And we want to know if you were a terrorist, what would you do? Like, well, you guys all do what, what would be a great way to, you know, attack the United States? And, and cause, so, so they, they were literally using the most creative people that sit around and think about these things to try to, try to be ready for something like that. Because Tom Clancy... Uh, before 9-11, Tom Clancy uh, said, what are you guys going to do about somebody flying a plane into the Capitol building when Congress is in session? And I think it was the vice president at the time said, I don't know, but I can bet you, I can promise you we're going we're gonna to have a meeting about that. Because he said, you know, we could do, you, you know, a plane of 747 with a suicide bomber could decapitate the U.S. government and you guys aren't ready for that. And they weren't. And so, so it's very interesting that a lot of times our most creative people who, who are in the business, let's be honest, when you write a book, you write a movie, the reason it's successful is because it surprises you. If you watch The Siege, I don't know if you ever saw that movie, yeah. but it, it was it, it's very prescient. You know, it was, it was exactly about that. And it was kind of like a really wild movie about, about sort of what, what Islamic terrorism was becoming. And so a lot of these people who sit around and have the time to think up these things can sometimes predict the future uh, it's pretty interesting so um, I, I just wanted to throw that out there yeah, yeah no, what i want to get into with you jay is um a little more of the cia's role in pop culture stemming from the 60s uh, i've had you on we've had a couple discussions on that and then also kind of its role in like you know we had we had a great discussion with you, Isaac, Chrissy Meyer, on uh, just uh, MK Ultra and these pop divas, but I want to start from the '60s. Uh, you know, I, I'm starting to write books, right? Well, I'm going to have somebody write for me, and I'm going to tell them what to write, and they're going to make it sound intelligent. Ah, <laughs> uh, the first one's going to be a spiritual book, but one of the books I want to write about is like, kind of like the '60s, like change the world. Like I'll, almost any generation, obviously, the you know, the 40s were World War II and that was a big move. But I think the 40s and then the 60s culturally was such a change. And, you know, I, I talk that's about a good, this that's a good topic because may, maybe you could maybe you could speak to this. To what degree do you think the CIA in the 60s? Uh, had what kind of influence do you think the CIA's operations um, had on how the 60s turned out let me finish this last thing i just want to say to piggyback that is like i think that anything that says culture is manufactured in in a think tank and they 
plant controlled opposition, uh, agents uh, provocateurs in situations. You really to, think that? I think like, so like, much of it. But you think like trends and like you think like cultural shifts are actually planned? I, I feel like they well, just. Well, that's why I want to get into yeah. with his kind that's a of great research. That's a great that. topic. What do you think of that? Uh, so I would agree that to a large degree, the trends are, they can be steered, uh, whether or not they're all created. I don't, I don't think they have to be. In other words, you can have some things that arise organically and then they can kind of be co-opted and steered. And there are a lot of examples of this, for example, if you read uh, Edward Bernays' books, which we've done some lectures on that, where he talks about creating and steering pop culture trends, advertising trends. Um, Women but smoking, this, breakfast yeah, being yeah. the most important meal of the day, all these right. things. He was, yeah. And, and there's plenty of, you know, think tanks, uh, study groups, social engineering, uh, you know, outfits that sit around basically trying to do that. Tavistock Institute is one of the, the bodies that does that. And but it, specifically in the 60s, uh, the during the Cold War, what the CIA did was they set up um, different operations or fronts, one of which is called the Congress for Cultural Freedom. And the argument, the idea was in order to combat uh, Soviet realism and Soviet philosophy, the CIA needs to promote ideas of freedom. And it, it's never really spelled out because, of course, in propaganda, you don't want to get too sophisticated or too deep. You want to keep it very sloganeer, very simple. So they uh, basically funded a lot of uh, artistic fronts during the 60s. And this would include people like Andy Warhol, Jackson Pollock. Uh, they put money to into uh, even things as ridiculous as uh, what's that? Uh, take me to the magic of the moment. Right. The Scorpions. That's actually, I'm not joking, a CIA operation when the Scorpions went and played at the fall of the wall. This is now declassified. You can go read about this in mainstream. Wow. Yeah, it's on the Guardian. It's <laughs> How much of this stuff is because artists want to be patriots and they're patriotic? It's I think it's all the above. Right. So I think that they will they probably went to those Scorpions goobers and they were like, look. You guys, uh, you know, you got hair. <laughs> you got a lot of hair. Uh, you you represent the West. You know, it's it's hair metal time. Be our front people for this operation of you know. Uh, I can see guy, I can see being a young guy and totally being seduced by that. Like if the CIA uh, yeah, had wanted fucking CIA, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. If the CIA had come to me at any time, any time, and I was traveling and they wanted me to do some shit, I would have jumped at that so fast. I'd be like, first of, of all, course. I mean, fuck. I, first of all, I, I'm a, I'm a patriot. Second of all, I'd be like, fuck yeah. Third of all, it's cool as shit. I mean, I until just, until until they're like Brian, we we liked you in that uh, cabana skit um, maybe you could do that dance in here in a room with these goats uh, and, <laughs> so we can video we can get into that but what was that what was that operation you just talked about because brian and i talked about that earlier where they went to these guys and kind of pushed them what was the operation called again you just mentioned it with warhol and all them so they set up a, a artistic front to fund all of these art groups artists, uh, mixed media, whatever. And it was called the uh, Congress for Cultural Freedom. And by the way, there we go. This is all like if you if you study this stuff in academia, all this stuff is like out there. It's not it's not conspiracy. There's a woman, a famous professor named Frances Stoner Saunders. She wrote a book called uh, This is CIA. my favorite thing Jay does. Wow. He just pulls books out I of nowhere. I love it. I love so it. she wrote this whole book. So I came across this when I was writing, doing my research, and I'm like, "Wow, they actually set up this whole thing to promote right this the, the idea of uh, basically emotive or or uh, art that was just purely revolutionary, right? To to stress quote freedom, 
And that was again under the auspices of the Cold War. So abstract art famously was promoted by these guys. Uh, all really? The way so the CIA, the CIA had sort of grants, a, a front company set up to give grants to these people. What was the point of that? To just to promote like well they did it across the board so it was it was anything even in the realm of philosophy you get to like the deconstructionists and Jacques Derrida the famous philosopher they all got CIA money uh I think even um I'm surprised uh, Derrida did, did because he's such a fucking he was such a sort of a left-wing I mean he, he I didn't even know somebody said mistake. somebody said you you can't read I tried reading Derrida and I want all my time back and my money back and, yeah, right. and, and, and another academic yeah. said about Derrida, the postmodernist, that every time he makes a statement, you can you can add semicolon or not. You know, right. the, 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 the guy the guy was anti. Right. So if language is meaningless, by the way, how's he writing a damn book? Exactly. Well, that's what they said. He'd, he'd be right. writing with one hand and erasing with the other. The, yeah. the whole idea was you can't you can't put a. Uh, you can't put a thesis forward because a thesis would be um, logocentric, and and that would that would that would force you to favor one side over another. And now you're caught in this dualistic thinking, yin and yang, men, men and fe male and female, uh, hot and cold. So you're automatically going to favor one over the other, and it's prejudicial. Fuck Derrida is what I'm trying to say. Well, you know, Brian, real quick to follow that point is like, why do they promote that guy? Because that guy yeah. kind of promotes a way of thinking that elicits a response like kind of you and all these other people which is what we see right now happening in, in in pop culture and the mainstream press i mean you have a you have a trans out there going i don't think we should put all kids on puberty blockers until they're 10 years old nobody thinks that nobody but they found one person to say it and they push them forward what? so now everyone's like they're coming after our yes, kids yes. which is meant to cause chaos isn't that though isn't that the press trying to make money and by getting our attention see this is where we disagree see he thinks that this is this is like this happens like well, accidentally we're I, is uh, my belief this is done purposefully to elicit a response and in a weird way cause division and shift focus from other things that are going on. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think it is done on purpose, but I think it's done on purpose for money by the corporations that are the big media companies. Well, there can be multiple tiers also of that. So I would say both and, right? I mean, m monetary gain is not uh, mutually exclusive with social engineering. So Again, if we think about the word liberal, like liberal didn't have the same connotation in the Cold War as it does in, you know, today's politics of tr you know, Trump conservative versus, you know, Biden liberal. Even in the Cold War, the idea was if you were liberal, that would be the West, right? The West is promoting economic uh, libertarian free markets uh, against the Soviet, right, uh, collectivist model. The West is promoting um, freedom in the arts. The Soviets had a lot of laws about what could be done in art. Like they would even ban things like new wave synthesizer music, this kind of stuff. So, so the reason the CIA was promoting anything quote liberal was because they wanted to set the cold war up as that dialectic between the West equaling freedom, libertarian ethos versus the Soviets equaling realism, objectivism, right? Right and wrong tyranny, this, this kind of stuff. And it was very effective, but you can see why that's this is a huge misunderstanding. People think that the the CIA was like right wing and this kind of stuff. Not really, right? Because that's a that's a, a that can be that that can fluctuate over time. That's why the CIA funded Miss Magazine promoting feminism. That's why they funded Playboy magazine promoting a kind of libertine attitude in terms of how do they fund it? What do you mean by fund it? No, they literally allocated money to those to those operations.
but but so so did they go to Hugh Hefner and say, "Here's money to"? Yeah. Wow. Why would they? Why would they? Why would they? Why would they? Because I would imagine within the CIA, well, they were it's a honeypot, bro. I mean, like they, they used to use the, the Playboy Mansion as a honeypot. Oh, I, I got you. But but why would they? I see. So for blackmail and stuff like that to get powerful men who were married, maybe. And well, Playboy Mansion has that layer to it. But I'm just talking about the magazine itself got CIA funding to help it keep going because the, again, it's it, this was part of the. Uh, the allocation of money during the cold war that was called the well there was different programs they had one program for religion called the doctrinal warfare program which is basically to give money to any operation any church any entity that would combat sovietism so this went to got like it, protestants to baptists to anything sure. in the cold war in fact they, they wanted billy graham to be an uh an image of western freedom he actually got cia support as well this is documented in uh f lame ingall's book uh, lost hegemon but any of the any of the exposés you could go look up look up Gloria Steinem uh, uh, CIA funding and you'll see that when she was at Miss Gloria Steinem huge huge yeah. controlled opposition plant in I remember, a movement I remember I'm old enough to remember because I went to the Soviet Union in 1985 uh, oh. when I was a senior in high school and I, I went to Peter, St. Petersburg which was Leningrad I went to Moscow and I went to Novograd and all over the place and I spent enough time there my father had, at the time spoke Russian but more importantly the people I was with um, the young men I was with, they were my age and they were, they all were, um, they were all um, Russian American. They spoke fluent Russian. So I had this incredible, uh, experience in like, for example, in Gorky park where I was with Russian kids, my age, and I was talking to them through my buddy who was a translator. I talk about an experience. I met a girl there. I had a whole thing with this girl at the, at the cosmos hotel in Moscow. I had f such a fucking blast. But the one thing I remember is I gave the guy my jeans and my Nike sneakers, which were literally like gold. Yeah. And my father was like, you gave your sneakers away. I go, yeah, but they don't have them here. That was like, literally like you could trade Nike sneakers for for fucking a car or something probably how you, know you got that girl you know me though i just left with almost nothing my dad was like jesus <laughs> christ but i but i i was so i fucking felt so bad for them and the food was i remember the food being so terrible you, they basically had cabbage and we ate well bread and you had a little grizzled meat and that was in the good restaurants and 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 it was and the other thing i noticed it was because because after it, they were russia had suffered so badly in world war ii there were no old men you didn't see old men the one thing they said is try to find an old man. An old man was as rare as seeing a fucking giraffe on the street. And, and because so many had been killed in World War II. So 20 mil. Yeah. So my, my experience, I went to, uh, I went, I think it was in St. Petersburg where, because the Nazis had surrounded St. Leningrad at the time and starved the people and, and they buried them in mass graves. And you have Mother Russia crying over these mass graves and you just saw these mounds it was such a powerful experience for me as a in in, in how politics and philosophy really does make a difference really does affect whether or not people live or die and how <laughs> bad ideas kill they're not just bad ideas and right. how politics how we are all as americans so lucky we don't have to make a philosophical or political commitment because most of the world has had to or couldn't and right. we're just the listless playthings of these greater forces right. that that ultimately destroyed everything that they ever stood for, including their mythologies, including their religion. It was illegal to practice a religion when you were in uh, Soviet Russia. Your religion had to be the Communist Manifesto. Um, when yeah. Jay, did you? How much research have you done into, you know, Lenin, Stalin, Mao, and their research? 
uh, in terms of their their education. You know, like Yale. I I, I had this wonderful uh, woman on my. Uh, my, my Tim Fall hire named Susan Bradford has a great book. Great. I wish I could get this guy to read it. It's called Royal Blood Lies, and it's about basically uh, the, the, the black nobility and stuff like that. It's a wonderful, wonderful book, man. I, I recommend everybody to read it if you get Royal Blood Lies, and it's really well written. But so much of these like leaders, and I, I talk about you know, it's kind of going back to what we were talking about, the feminists. And how many of these leaders are like positioned purposefully to uh, kind of steer, like you said, movements and politics to certain ways like Yale which was created by I don't know if you know this but most of your Ivy League schools were created by uh, opium families who were making huge amounts of money in opium and they created these families to be able to give their rich kids a step up that's what the skull and buns were basically about all these rich kids go in there they get they 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 go through college they graduate and anybody who goes through skull and bones graduates with them was like half a the equivalent of half a million dollars like a big step up well yale decided to go set up uh, a, their version of yale in china yep and and uh, mao went there it comes down to sam actually believes see i believe that these things happen because people have different ideas, different points of view, and sometimes an idea like communism, like socialism, like collectivism, will win the day over, for example, capitalism, owning land, and things like that. And these are human trends, human thoughts, but Sam tends to believe that instead of them kind of evolving organically uh, and evolving in a very, sort of this very chaotic way, Sam believes they've been, they've been planned from up top from the beginning and that's where he and i differ all the time your thoughts well one of the ways to show that there is uh more of a high degree level of planning uh, i would side on sam's side with that because there's a lot of books from the elite that talk about the plans beforehand and then talk about what they did afterwards right so for example uh there's a famous book by the cfr archivist and mentor to bill clinton uh, uh dr carol quigley he wrote a book called tragedy and hope which is a giant 1300 page tome which we did uh about eight lectures going through the totality of it and what what quigley says in tragedy and hope is that the the 20th century's wars were essentially planned by the wealthiest families in the west uh, and they did that to take out two of their big rivals, uh, to the, the rivals to the Anglo-American establishment, which was the Holy Roman Empire and Russia. So the two world wars and the Cold War basically destroyed the opponents, which allowed the Western liberal, quote unquote, empire to basically win the day. So, that, I mean, we have from the top, like this giant geopolitical. Jesus, look at that. This is not a conspiracy text. This is from the establishment. Basically, look at that. Thing. And look that, at all those notes. Dude, he just pulls books out. Yeah, there, there's a lot oh, of, uh, you know, when people have studied this stuff about, um, yeah, the, the, the idea of the, the alliances, the Austria-Hungarian Empire and the Ottoman Empire and how all of them were, they, they, would, they would get in these secret packs right. and these secret alliances and they would make these either alliances or these sort of like, you know, packs of aggression against the other, you know. And so th that was one of the things that, and the average person was not privy to these these conversations that happened within the aristocracy and the monarchies, yeah? Exactly, exactly. Right. And, and remember that uh, at, at Yalta, at these big meetings that are happening, 
uh, Bretton Woods. It's literally the top families and the top banking elite setting the the policy. Right? Yeah, so they even they even quickly the British that. Empire. Yeah, he, he says that even the the wars. Another one of the many effects that they had was to basically put the future generations in the debt, right? So in other words, it's not your because everybody hears all oh, Germany still owes you know World War II debt or whatever. Yeah, and it's gonna be owed for like the next what hundred years or something crazy like that because like oh it's you never meant yeah, to be you know, paid off. One, one of the things they talk about with the Middle East was that after World War One and World War Two, the Middle East was British. British cart cartologists or whatever you know, map makers and 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 uh, census takers, they literally took matchsticks and divided yeah. divided the Middle East up into different territories without right. understanding that a lot of these things were tribal. So you were breaking up the Sunni tribe. You 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 were separating the Shia tribe in Iraq. Iraq wasn't you know Iraq was sort of a British creation, if you will, yes. because a lot of the Middle East was essentially tribal, nomadic, and so it's. It caused a lot of problems. It was the same thing with the Soviet Union when they created Czechoslovakia. I'm sorry, Yugoslavia. Well, Yugoslavia had very distinct, you right. know, Stalin was like, we want this section. And, and, and Roosevelt was like, we want this section. Or I'm sorry, Truman. And they, they kind of broke it up into different pieces. You know, the problem is when you create a fucking country like Yugoslavia, what you forget is that Serbs and Croats and, and Bosnians have very different cultures, very different histories, very different gripes, very different, in, you know, all of those things. I mean, you're talking about different cultures. And so what a surprise that they broke into this crazy civil war as soon as the Soviet but Union Brian, took their hand Brian, off. But see, right? the problem I have with what you're saying right now isn't the history you're laying out, but the notion that people made mistakes. My whole thing is like these think tanks they they get they get brainiacs people that we don't even understand how smart they are you know and they sit down and they go how can we cause the most chaos in my humble opinion because they make money off of war so you're like let's create this country these two people don't get along let's make them a country and then we'll fund both sides of this civil yeah, war yeah, i agree that some well, countries or some some countries have an interest in destabilizing other countries for sure and other people but i don't think it's countries brian i think it's like this a group of elite I want to say bankers at the highest levels, man. These super that we don't even understand the layers of these people. People probably born. There's no records of who they are because they stay off the grid and they they it's bottom up. And like there's you know, you see these pyramids that people make Jay, fun of that conspiracies. He's talking about the black nobility, etc. Is there such a thing? These people. I mean, come on. He may who, not necessarily has, believe in who black has that nobility. Much, who has that but, much power? But, but well, the Roman Catholic Church and the Vatican, right? Their role and stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Well, there are black nobility and there are nobility. Damn, I'm winning. There, hold, hold on, hold on. on. Are, that doesn't mean that they run everything, but there are uh, elite nobles still around that have been involved in some of the you know high-level planning. For example, uh, Queen Beatrix. Um, she was involved in Bilderberg. Uh, you have uh, Prince Bernhard with David Rockefeller helped set up uh, Bilderberg. So you have a high level committee there that does include, you know, members of, of nobility or the old, you know, bloodline family. So bloodlines do play into this to a degree. I don't think that they're everything. But going back to the history, if you look at people like uh, St. John Philby, he was the famous British spy, uh, father of Kim Philby, who became a Soviet defected right i mean saint john philby went and he along with people like t t e lawrence right i mean they divided up the the middle east on purpose 
And they did that to divide and conquer. That's the old imperial strategy. So the reason right. that the Anglo uh, powers do it just like the Soviets did it is just because that's an imperial strategy. It goes back to Caesar or even the ancient, uh, you know, ancient empires. Look, let's let's first uh, give a big thank you to one of our sponsors, Incogni. Incogni. In, incogni as an in incognito. It solves one of the biggest problems we all face today, and that is that whether you know it or not, your personal data is being it's being taken, shared, and used without your permission. Without your permission. Yeah, that's how these companies. It's such make a money. big industry. They call that data is the big oil is the new big oil. Yeah, and meaning your address, contact details, your ship shopping habits, your email, your background, you name it, they have it. So, you know, you 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 can actually though get data brokers to delete the information they have on you. You can actually do that. And Incogni is the company that can help you do that. And they do all the messy work for you automatically. You can protect your privacy by taking your personal data off the market. All you got is create an account, tell them whose personal data you'd like to remove, and Incogni will reach out to data brokers on your behalf. They will encrush your personal data, remove, and deal with any objections that might come with it. So give it a try. The first 100 people to use code DEEPWATERS or go to incogni.com slash deepwaters, I-N-C-O-G-N-I, incogni.com slash deepwaters, will get 20% off incogni. Take control of your data. You want to keep the the, the protectorates and the, the, the satellite countries kind of at war with one another, uh, because if they were ever to band together, then they could beat you, right? So that's just- How is that happening? How is that playing out today? So the history, there's no, I agree with everything you just said about that. It, today, uh, are you seeing, because I feel like with social media and the atomized sort of like uh, information machine, it, there's nobody, nobody believes on it. There's no fixed point of truth. Sam believes in his thing. If I cite CNN, I'm, I'm fucked. If I cite Fox News, I'm fucked. If I cite Google, I'm fucked. It depends on who you're talking to, right? So, so if, I, if I say to somebody who's liberal, I go, well, Fox News, they go, I don't want to hear it. And if I say it to somebody who's conservative, I go, well, CNN, they go, I don't want to hear it. So, so how is all of this? Who is who do you think is in control now? Is anybody in control? Is this fucking chaos? Because we have the Biden team and 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 hit the far left. He seems to be hijacked by this far left agenda, which I totally disagree with. And then you have this pushback from Magistan over here. And then the rest of us, I feel like, are just trying to pay our bills and get to work. What is your, Brian, what you your know thoughts? that five, and now I think it's down to, it was six, now it's down to five companies, oh, 90% yes. of the media. Right. You so, know, so the, the people, like when, when Murdoch came in and took, you know, he sent his son into Fox News, and, you know, when they, when they announced Arizona for Biden, mm -hmm. that was done purposefully to piss off the fucking right. It's all, like... They're all working together, man. Like the Bush, like you say, CNN is super liberal. Well, you know, it was CNN that refused to call Florida for Bush. Mm -hmm. And in my humble opinion, they had to get Bush into the office because 9-11 was in the works. That's my humble opinion, man. But it's like only five companies. It's not that hard. It's Jay, not Jay, what, do you, what do you think, Jay? Well, I can give you one uh, easy proof of what, what's going on. So Dave Rockefeller wrote in his memoirs, he's got a, a famous memoirs, and in chapter 27, it's called Proud Internationalist. And he says, yes, I am here to create a global government. That's our whole family's goal. That's the, the goal of the, the Rockefeller Foundation. These are some of the wealthiest people in the U.S., right? The, the American dynasty. He says, we set up the CFR. Uh, basically, the OSSCIA were set up by the Rockefeller family as well. 
He says Bilderberg. I was I was there when I when they set up Bilderberg. I was doing it with Prince Bernhard. And by the way, he wrote in the 1979 editorial for New York Times from a China traveler that he loves Mao and Maoism. So here you have the wealthiest capitalist, one of the wealthiest capitalists on the planet, David Rockefeller, writing in the in the late 70s how great Mao was. He probably wanted business in China. He probably was that. He, he was probably it. like. He, yeah. The first bank in communist China was yep. Chase Bank. Yeah, so that makes a whole sense. Chapter. You praise the leader, so you get your. It's all about money. So, so once, I, exactly. Yeah. So, well, so but, but I want to. It's also. So, so how it's, about? It's not just about money because it's also in both of these books. By the way, there's a famous authorized the the authorized biography of the Rockefellers, but Pauline Horowitz. The, the, in the latter chapters, it, it talks about them funding feminism. Abby Rockefeller was one of the key funders. Millions of dollars allocated to third wave feminism to get it going because they realize that sterile sterility, right. Can come in many ways. So you can be sterile by, you know, literally being sterilized, having your balls chopped off, or you can be sterilized via choosing ideologies where you don't reproduce. And so that was right. the whole purpose of all the depopulation of the rock. And we see that right now with so, feminism. So, so, but, but, but these are, these are philosophies I can see people adapting, right? I can totally, that's not, none of this surprises me that there are different, what we're really saying with all these books that you're holding up and I'm very impressed with how fucking thick they are and how much you've read, but, but it, it, it's true. What, what I'm getting from this is that there are so many different sort of people who have a lot of money sit around and think about ways to influence the world. And they have different uh, ideologies. One is overpopulation has to be counteracted. Let's come up with a creative way to stop that. Let's get into the minds of people and castrate men in one way or another. They, everybody has a different point of view. What I'm, what I'm asking now is do you, do you see, um, do you see who, are, who in your mind are the invisible players? Um, and, and to point, Sam's point, the invisible players, because to Sam's point, I think the biggest problem we face now is that very few people control uh, the information highway. We've got Twitter, you've got, you know, you've got Apple, you've got Amazon, you've got these people control the servers, you've got Microsoft. And it's true, as Sam says, that you have big tech seems to be growing, seems to have no end to its power. They don't seem to be competing with each other the way it was meant to be. So uh, um, what is your concern with that? And good thing, bad thing, mix of the both? What do you think? Pretty much a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, again, so you could have like at a layer uh, where of society where people are innovating and they're, they're participating in the free market and there's real market competition and this kind of stuff, laissez-faire. But at the top, you can have a higher level of for example, public-private partnership, where a lot of the corporations that we know of today that are supposedly free market, they actually got a lot of government seed funding and, by the way, got tax breaks. And so Look at Tesla. <clears throat> Look at Tesla. Tesla yeah. wouldn't be in business without huge government subsidies. And the same with big tech, yeah. Um, and this is the sad part is that, again, uh, this, this may sound crazy to you, but 100 years ago, the most powerful people on the planet at that time projected this. They said, and I can give you examples. I can give you Bertrand. I'm not, I'm not holding this up to be a shithead. Like I, I love yeah, it. I love it. I'm holding I love it. This is Bertrand, Bertrand Russell. Bruce. Bertrand Russell is a, is a significant Western intellectual. Yes. And he I mean, wrote books saying, we will enact this technocracy. We will have a situation where you're going to get forced stabbies. He says, you're going to get a controlled diet. You're going to have a universal basic income, HG Wells. Well, look at 1984. Look at George Orwell's 1984. A lot of this stuff is coming true. That the, 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 This was always the fear that right. totalitarianism, control over the total person, 
over their emotions, over their face, for Christ's sake, is, is you know, we've, we've been, I think the founding fathers were warning us about this, in fact. I think this goes back to James Madison and John Jay, Alexander Hamilton, George Washington. I, I think these guys were very articulate about, about the dangers of centralized power, of power residing in one group's hands, factionalism was a huge thing. That's why dual sovereignty is so important, where states have rights as well as the federal government. Can you imagine if the fucking federal government alone had, we would, we would be, we, we would be in the hands of all these people. And, and there's no question that what, what seems to always happen, the founding fathers seem to know this, is that when you're in power, you can't help but to do one thing, grow and want more power. That's just the way it is. Everybody, it's, it's too seductive. Can it's I get in something? Technocracy, Real quick. that's what it is. Yeah, technocracy. So, so wait, let me just finish the thought. So, so it is a bad thing. Um, to Sam's point, very few people have control over this. Do you have a solution? And is there anything else going on that we have to worry about? Are oh, you... Before we get, because that's like a final thought right okay. there. Like, And we could totally get into that because I think that's a great question. But that's a final thought. I want to I wanna kind of really like just get in your ass a little deeper. Um, what <laughs> What I would really I'm a, like, I'm gonna make the sword face. That's it right there. <laughs> Just fight down on a piece of leather. That's all. What I would really like to discuss is a uh, kind of more modern pop culture. One of the biggest shows we did on Tim Fall Hat again was with you, Isaac Wysip. Uh, Chrissy Meyer, we do it, whether it's uh, Free Britney or like the occult of these pop divas, you know, uh, again, these think tanks, I want to get into, you know, MK Ultra, and we have like sex kittens and, and uh, you know how they turn kind of guys into killing machines. Can you, I don't know where to start with that, but wherever you want to start, like the like, I guess we can get kind of starting in with, like, I think it kind of starts with Charles Manson, right? We see a little bit of that where this, I've talked to Brian about this before, where, like, uh, Haight-Ashbury was a free-range psychological experiment with drugs and hippie culture. Both, and, and, you know, Bill Cooper, very, I would love to have somebody come on and talk to Bill Cooper one time. He talked about there was going to be this push from the, 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 the uh, powers that be for gay agenda, and then you had AIDS, and it was like, even though they're taking them out, they are pushing this agenda. And that's kind of what I think we saw with the hippie movement. It was this push to use the Grateful Dead to push acid on everybody. And then when they were doing acid, there's also a lot of being able to uh, succumb to mind thought control. Can you kind of start with that before Brian cuts you off? Well, yeah, you can go look on YouTube and there's a clip of Timothy Leary himself, who everybody knows, I think, was an asset of the CIA, right? He was promoting the LSD sub uh, counterculture at the behest of the CIA. Um, people that were making all the acid, like uh, Owsley Stanley, it's come out that he was getting money from the government to make all that, uh, all the millions of doses that he made back at that time. Wait, um, so the government, so the CIA was pushing psychedelics on people? Absolutely. No acid. 100%. Why? Why were they doing that? So uh, again, th there's an important document that it's a, it's a white, do you know what white papers are? So white papers are like when the, the high level think tanks or like government policy institutes, they put out kind of these studies about here's the data, here's where we need to go. They're kind of like planning, higher level planning stuff for think tank go government people. A lot of these are public, but there was a, a famous one called uh, Changing Images of Man. 
And the idea was that in order to steer culture into the to the transhumanist technocracy, we're going to have to radically change man's view of himself and man's view of society and nature. Another famous white paper would be uh, first uh, global revolution by the Club of Rome, which dealt with uh, inventing pollution as a way to socially engineer and restructure all of society into a smart city technocratic model away from free markets and this kind of stuff. So, so wait, whole- so the CIA, you're saying that these these the cia had there was a consensus within the cia i mean wouldn't this have to get congressional support no 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 no. so this these things function above congress and above the level of but the the, cia has a there's a law that says the cia is not allowed to be involved in domestic policy it only the fbi can where's the firewall there right well so what i'm talking about is social engineering and operations that are promoted uh, under undercover and then abroad, right? So when the CIA is involved in something like Timothy Leary or these operations in the 60s, it's not going to be publicly made known until decades later, which is why we know about it now, right? Because who's going to I always get- thought the CIA back then was super conservative, though. Weren't a lot of those no, guys super they're promoting patriots? Liberal- and- That's what I was trying to say earlier. They're, they're promoting liberalism because liberalism is whatever is perceived to be free- uh, uh, you know, libertine and anti-Soviet. So no, the, the counterculture was intentional. And you can see this, for example, by if you read a book like uh, Weird Scenes Inside the, the, the Canyon by Dave McGowan, it's a great book demonstrating this. Um, but Changing Image of Man is one of these high level uh, social engineering papers that shows that the counterculture was part of this movement away from a more stable, productive society to uh, a kind of libertine society. Uh, Stanford Research also put out papers around this time talking about using the counterculture. So, no, most of the people leading the counterculture were at the behest of the CIA. That's why they promoted Playboy. That's why they promoted Miss Magazine. That's why they promoted Deconstructionists. Liberal things are being promoted during the the, the 60s. Because it was a because it was a it was a essentially it was a um, a bulwark and a rebuttal to Soviet oppression. Is that what the that's idea the, was? That's the that's the machiavellian reasoning why they're doing it right okay so what 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 do you think the real reason was the long-term goal is to move people into a transhumanist society what does that mean to a technocratic society what does that mean so the technocracy is like if you read up there's a Zbigniew Brzezinski right between two ages right he wrote this famous book back in the 70s that caught the attention of David Rockefeller David Rockefeller created a whole trilateral commission by which Zbigniew could be the head of. And he writes in this book that-, that Zbigniew uh, Brzezinski? Yeah, he writes- Yeah, I've, I've read his books. Yeah, so he yeah. says that we're gonna move into this technocratic era uh, and that's gonna be an era where is exactly what Bertrand Russell and H.G. Wells talked about, where everything will be run like a basically a smart city, right? The whole, all of society- Which is why, which to me is why they work with China and not Russia, right? China, they were able to get in early control, put this kind of technocratic control over the Chinese population. And that's why they seem to be the powers that be building up China and trying to do away with with uh, American exceptionalism, in my humble opinion. And they want the world to be China because everybody on lockdown is China. People don't realize when you're getting these like, hey man, COVID report things on your phone, when you're getting these COVID report things on your phone, that is that's happening in China right now, where they're like, you were near somebody that had it, you have to go home and isolate for seven days. You have no say in that. Right. 
Right, so to address Brian's question about the CIA, there's a great book that illustrates this. Uh, the famous CIA operative, Miles Copeland, right, of the Stuart Copeland police family, right? He wrote a book called Game of Nations. And if you read this, it talks about all the kind of skullduggery that they were involved in in Egypt, Nasser government, et cetera. And then at the end, he says, I've got a key, a bunch of key books that I want you to read to help you understand what the CIA's foreign plans ultimately are about right now, not the immediate scope of why wow, we're giving weapons to this group or that group, but the long-term scope, he says, if you read Bertrand Russell, he says, if you read the CFR, he says, you'll understand that our policies in the Middle East in the long term, 20, 30, 50 years, is nothing more than depopulation. That's it. It's all Bertrand Russell technocracy CFR. So here we have CIA people telling us that the goal of the operations, even in the foreign countries, even in the Middle East, long term is just to implement a technocracy and to depopulate. So that's so exactly. Yeah. So when you when you when you're in the military and you become a CIA agent, you know, there are a lot of guys that are just patriots who become who want to work for the intelligence agencies. Where are these meetings where they're I mean, this is this is the, the, the thing is that you have what do you have a group of people that sit around and say, we want this and we're going to implement this. I mean, it's a huge organization. And like you right. said, there were 16 different intelligence operations. Right. I don't understand how you'd get everybody on the same page because if you were talking to me that way, I'd go, I'd go, what the fuck are we talking about here? Are you talking about Brian? But like, you wouldn't like, be brought uh, into that there meeting. There are a lot of CIA guys, CIA guys who would disagree with this. So it's how in the world is this happening? So, where right. So look, look. Yeah. I know that you right. So everybody knows about Iran Contra, right? And yeah. this is a this is a window into how one black op would was being used to fund black operations around the world, right? So that money was going to the BCCI, right? The, uh, the, the fake cutout CIA bank to then fund to uh, operations like Al-Qaeda at the time, right? So they were funding- right, well, The Mujahideen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they were funding Mujahideen through BCCI, which was connected to Iran-Contra. And by the way, we have people from those entities, uh, Team A, Team B, <clears throat> That's the that touches on what you're getting at to where the people that are doing the team- team A or team B stuff don't know what the other one's doing, right? So if you're involved in black ops, that stuff's very compartmentalized. Um, and there's Barry, Barry Seal, think about the uh, Barry and the Boys, a great book by Daniel Hopsicker about how that operation was run with bringing the drugs into you know, Arkansas and, and other, other airports in the US. Um, Fletcher Prouty, right, famously wrote uh, the secret team because he was one of the secret team and he talks about all the things that they would go the, the operations they were doing in all these other countries. So it's a compartmentalized uh, organization and entity. Um, I've interviewed people from MI6, MI5. I've interviewed people from, as, as I said, the Pentagon, Black Ops, and they will talk about how compartmentalized it is, right? People in the- Right, uh, so there's, yeah. there's sort of a CIA within the CIA and a deep state within yeah, the deep state. absolutely, yeah. How do you get into that deep state? You've got to toe the line. You've got to be ideologically aligned with those people. So I think that um, if you're talking about somebody at the level of a Brzezinski, that's above CIA, right? Uh, the foundations, the think tanks, these kinds of people are the brains and they're the ones that are kind of above people doing operations. So people in the field, that's not that big of a deal, right? That's more like a, running a business if you're in the field because you got people underneath you, you got to you know, ma manipulate them and get them to do this and that. 
Um, that might pr produce some interesting, sexy stories, but that's not the high level policy making. So if you're a Brzezinski, you need to be at a high level university. He was recruited out of McGill. I think he was teaching at McGill. Yeah, wasn't he was a Polish national though, right? He'd right. grown up in Poland and then right. Yeah, and he um, came I, and his family he left. Was, was he Nixon's, wasn't he Nixon's uh, national security advisor or was he Carter's? Carter's. I can't remember. Carter's, right. Um, he, smart guy. Um, you got to be at a night. You got to be at the right school. You got to have a, a decent family yes. background, and you got to be recruited, right? I think so. There's the book that we got. This is what got him recruited by Rockefeller was when he wrote this book, and David said he. David literally he called up Kissinger. Uh, Henry, I've got a guy I want to occupy a new position. <laughs> literally, and Kissinger said yes, yes, Mr. Rockefeller, we will give the big new a nice position in the trilateral commission. <laughs> yeah, so that's literally what well, happened. Well, dude, I mean, well, it wasn't it, wasn't it, uh, I think the architects of the Iraq war, if you look at a lot of them, they came out of the University of Chicago and their, their teacher was Leo Strauss. I mean, all of them, and Leo Strauss was a guy who believed, he was a Talmudic scholar who, who and, and an academic and, and a powerful intellect who said that, that democracy is a human right and 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 it trumps sovereignty of a country and he had a philosophy that people like i think paul wolfowitz i think maybe douglas feith i uh, certainly uh, richard pearl william crystal a lot of these guys i maybe even condoleezza rice but a lot of these people if you look they all came from the same school of thought which was university of chicago leo strauss or at least were influenced by this one thinker which the idea was they had the hubris to believe they could restructure the middle east based on sort of these these ideas without having any knowledge really of Arabic culture, Iraqi history, uh, tribal history. I mean, they had no, they, they, this was where, where Bush was such a, Bush W's wisdom was so lacking. And, and it, it, you know, and here he's we a, are. He's a puppet, dude. Well, here we are, he was, but here we are, you know, how many years later, uh, you know, and how is Iraq doing? Maybe better, maybe, but the point is, is that, how many people were lost as a result of this it was grand a experiment? Dude. And by the way, how but much Brian, how much Brian. money was spent? So, so maybe maybe that's an example of what you're talking about, where you get a you get a sort of bubble of thought, you get a you get an echo chamber, and that echo chamber gets influence and pushes policy. Is that, and, is that and Brian? Well, you know who, fa who founded the University of Chicago? I'm sorry. Who founded the University of Chicago? I don't know. The Rockefellers. <laughs> it's, oh. it's their school. So you bring a lot of this back to Rockefeller. I mean, I bring it back to just ideas and people who get seduced by ideas when they're young. Well, you said money, right? So you said it's a lot of it's about money. Well, the people behind those ideas, ideas are trafficked as well, like money. So yeah. money promotes ideas like the Rockefellers putting millions of dollars into University of Chicago to promote third wave feminism. So ideas are also a kind of a currency and kind of a, a tool or a weapon is, is how I see it. Well, they're also really seductive and take on a, a life of their own, though, right? I mean, the feminism and, and these things that, that make sense to a degree, you know, they, there's a lot of good in a lot of these ideas, and, they, and then they get hijacked by people who use them as tools to further their own powerful agenda, right? Yeah, but again, we can also see the very people who fund these things write tons and tons of books saying why they're funding it and what they're yes. Yes. Okay. I want to get into something real quick. We t I brought this up earlier, but you know, you know, Brian Callen is a, a very successful actor. He's done a lot of amazing stuff and I'm super proud to be his friend. I Thank love you. him very much. Thank you so much. And he's done a great job and he's super talented without a doubt. So Brian's been to very level, very high levels of this whole thing, and he's done a wonderful job. And I don't think people realize what a wonderful person Brian Callum really is. Like sometimes he gets shit because he's super liberal, but he's that guy. I'm That's not really 
I'm not liberal. No, but you're 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 like, dude. When we have the trans person on, you you basically suck their dick. Yeah, which is fine. I love people, but but you I are you're a good. But I'm he's a, I'm a good ca- person I'm a free market at heart. Capitalist, and I'm an. American. That's what people don't understand, Bob. He's like a really great person at heart. So sometimes I don't know if that gets in his way of understanding. Sometimes that there is darkness out there. Not that he's naive, but that like maybe his kindness blinds him to seeing. The, What's going on? I believe so, that. I can, I'll own that. I think you're right. I think that okay. I tend to be always surprised at. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest. So, so this is a this is a, a mea culpa. A tw- uh, Twenty years ago, twenty one years ago, I actually thought, I really did think that the neocons like had had the world's best interests in mind, and that that invading Iraq was just it was a was a credible debate because we were trying to make the world safe. And I didn't really think that there was any that money or any of that played a factor. I didn't. I was very naive about that. Yeah. He and listen. So brings to me to this. Like at the like Hollywood is so it was. I think it's losing its power right now. But it was so powerful. And the the no even like if you want to look at it like elections, the notion that these very powerful people would just let the masses decide and they're like, I hope our guy gets elected. If he doesn't, we're gonna have to wait another four years. Like they wouldn't play both sides and position people both sides. So if we take that that philosophy of politics and we look at at Hollywood, these people at the highest levels, like you don't get there. Unless there's a game that gets played, right? And it's just like, when you look at these pop divas, like, how many, you know, I remember going to an open mic here, a a musical open mic, seeing the most amazing, beautiful entertainers that no one ever heard of. This was 20 years ago. Like, the game that gets played to get to those sections, whether it's the Disney's Mickey Mouse Club and what goes on with there, and then this this initiation that takes to get to the highest levels. Now, does everybody have to go through that? I don't know. Is Denzel Washington go through that? Doesn't seem like he plays that game, but I don't know. But there seems to be an initiation that goes along with getting to certain levels. Like, uh, you know, Kate, uh, what's her name? The famous singer with the big chi-chis. Like, I'm having a... Katy Perry? Katy Perry, right? I mean, like, there's so much symbolism in everything she does that it's like... This is where Sam gets so crazy. Like, the idea that you only get a certain level of Hollywood if you, if you, I guess swear your allegiance to some mysterious group that's just not how hollywood works it's i don't just, know jay it's thoughts. just not it's just not i can tell you you <laughs> you either get the job or you don't and it can and there are so many moving parts it could be the right person who's powerful who just thinks you're fucking talented or likes you or wants to have sex with you or you're or you're just really good i mean a lot of these people people forget a lot of the people that get to the top are just fucking really good you tell me you find me somebody who can sing with the power that someone like katie perry who looks like that or or uh you know i I talked to a bunch of singers who blew me away they're big time broadway singers and i was talking about uh, i said well who do you who do you think is a great singer out there and all of them you know what they said they go well aria aria grande will bring you to your knees i went what they go oh bow the fuck down you have no idea yeah, but, but, and so, so some of these okay. people just have okay. instruments and they're talented right, that right, brings right, them to the right. top but there's certain t- okay Justin, so we gotta let jay talk but yeah. there are like people that look out for these these certain people and if they can get to them early and control them it's a very powerful tool to use the only thing i've ever heard and i disagree with this as well is that people were like well if you were jewish 
you might climb to, to a higher part because everybody's Jewish in Hollywood. I actually disagree with that even because if anybody's ruthless in terms of just meritocracy and, and, and finding the best person for the job that's going to make their movie more successful, it was the people that I had come in contact with who happened to have been the writers, directors, and producers who were Jewish. I, 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 I just never I saw any evidence. I don't think it's Jewish either, but let's hear what Jay has to say. Well, yeah. The way I would argue this is that, again, I, I can't speak to every case, obviously. So I'm sure there's plenty of people, absolutely, that are talented and just have so much raw talent that they just can't be stopped. Absolutely. I mean, I, for example, I think Prince is an amazing musician, talent, one of the most talented performers, right? Always been a huge Prince fan. Uh, I mean, didn't he write just like hundreds and hundreds of songs? Yeah. Like he, he never had to write another song again, right? Yeah. <laughs> just because he wrote yeah, so many amazing. songs. So did Prince have to, to do some? No, he didn't have to. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other situations where people might not have gotten wrapped up into something bigger than themselves that they couldn't control or that they couldn't um, get out of. Uh, and yes, I understand that somebody like Britney might have gotten on drugs. She might have had, you know, a bad time. But there are there are cases where people if you look at somebody like a Lady Gaga or a Katy Perry or a Miley Cyrus, they function kind of like a product, right? They're an asset because they, they're generating so much money that they have to be really tightly handled and controlled. And we've seen with people like Elvis, right? Elvis's handler, that Colonel Tom guy was a very notorious person. He was he was keeping Elvis addicted, you know, to barbiturates or whatever the hell Elvis, Elvis was addicted to. And, and so Elvis ended up kind of going crazy. Uh, there is precedent for this, for, for actors and people having kind of controlling handlers, right? To what degree that's all top down, I, I think you could have some debate about that. But there are, again, many cases of people who, you know, uh, uh, if you if you think about the case of Brittany, right? I mean, Brittany does seem to evidence like abuse. She does seem to evidence uh, multiple personalities in certain interviews. I'm not saying I can prove that. I'm just saying there's evidence of that. Uh, I think that that there that some of these people, and by the way, some of them have been and worked for intelligence, right? I mean, think about somebody like uh, Angelina Jolie. So Angelina Jolie has at least claimed to have been abused in certain rituals and initiations. Again, that could be bullshit. That could just be her making up crap. I don't know, right? That, that video has been pulled down though, by the way. Um, but if you look at her, her career, what did she do? She went and studied under this woman for the movie Salt, uh, Melissa Mele, who's a, a famous CIA operative, trained Salt's her. the worst movie I've ever seen in my life, by the way. It was it so bad that I started scary. laughing. But Melissa Mele, like, trained her in real CIA training. They said, oh, we're going to give Angelina Jolie a real, you know, six-month-year training, right? And then, then what happens? Angelina Jolie joins the CFR. So she becomes a part of the Council on Foreign Relations. By the way, George Clooney also. Uh, I'm not saying the CFR is a secret society. It's not. It's a public, oftentimes media-connected steering policy <laughs> that the that the Rockefeller yeah. set up, right? Uh, and <laughs> so what I'm saying is that there's a couple examples of people who clearly have, and they don't even have to work for the CIA. They can go above and beyond that and be working for entities way more powerful than CIA operatives, right? For like Well, I mean, it's also George Clooney and, and Angelina yep. Jolie also may have been said, I have all this influence. I'm making all this money. I'm an actor. I want to do something good for the world and raise awareness for something like Darfur, the way George Clooney did, made a great 
documentary about it. I mean, the, you know, there's a right. lot of that too. I mean, right. there's a lot of guilt when you're really fa famous and beautiful. Well, hold on, man. And you know, yeah. there's also a lot of symbolism with this, Brian. I mean, like, let's just take a look at all these people who came through the Mickey Mouse Club, man, and like how these people or or actors, child actors who later came out, but like, I was used, abused, yeah, I was all this stuff. Hollywood's a terrible place, right? But it's like. Like a lot of this stuff is about breaking you down psychologically. And then, I mean, there's a famous video where fucking Katy Perry basically talks about herself in like two different people. Well, look at Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. Apparently there's, there's a rumor and I, it's fairly, I mean, I can believe it that, that his father fucking created a eunuch. His father cut his balls off to keep his high. Look, that guy was a fucking, I don't know, he seems like he was a monster. Who knows that there's no doubt that when a, there are a lot of examples when children exhibit, uh, first of all, the ability to make a lot of money. Uh, there are people who are shitheads who take advantage of that and use you like a product in the commodity. There's no well, doubt. Well, you know, Brian, okay, got, if you take... I got go a good on. example. I'm sorry, you go ahead, Sam. Sorry. But real quick, Brian, if you take a look at like old rock and roll, there's so much satanic symbolism. We all just thought was like, hey, whatever, man, it's Barney. We bark at the moon. Yeah, man. You know, it's just like crazy shit. But we've seen in pop culture right now, like, like music meant for children with very dark, dark symbolism. And you see it in Lady Gaga stuff. You see it in... um. Uh, Billie Eilish or whatever her name is, she super got dark symbolism in her stuff. What are your thoughts on all that, Jay? I think that, that a lot of the people in Hollywood are into or dabble in esoteric thought, philosophy, different cults, Kabbalah, the, you know, all of these different new age, it's, so it's witchcraft, all that stuff is there in different flavors and different, you know, um, you know, 31 Baskin Robin flavor, whatever you want to create. But there are documented situations that I think you, we could prove where, for example, uh, there's a great book you might want to check out called The Control of Candy Bane. And uh, uh, yeah, no, wait, the, uh, uh, Control of Candy Jones by uh, Donald Bane, excuse me. So she was one of the first sort of suspects of this who was a USO model. And she later wrote memoirs about how she had been taken into the USO program and they did MKUltra experiments on her. And so candy, and if that sounds outlandish, uh, I can give you MK ultra doctors who wrote books like John, Dr. John T. Lilly has a book called programming and metaprogramming in the human biocomputer, where he talks about literally giving high doses of LSD to kids to break down their worldview. And then he calls it re repatterning and re imprinting Dr. Ewan Cameron also did the same thing. Well, what is MK ultra again? Can you explain that to me? this was a cia uh well it began the military in the 50s it was a program originally to find a truth serum. is it was it in nazism it started out with the nazis and it was brought over through them they they learned like like when they put off fluoride in our water the nazis realized that they could control people in these concentration camps if they were on fluoride well there was yeah like a lot of countries had comparable programs the soviets had a type of program like it where pavlov and people like this were doing you know uh, not Pavlov. Uh, uh, who's the the Soviet one? Is it the? Yeah, Pavlov with Pavlov's Pavlov. dog. Yeah, yeah. I get the the U.S. and the, the but yeah. So Pavlov was doing similar types of program, but specifically MK Ultra itself began in the U.S. Army as a program to find a truth serum, and then it evolved into a lot of different projects, 
studying human psychology, sociology, uh, even to uh, Bloomberg, Monarch, right? These different programs about trying to figure out what they could do with the human psyche. So I've read, I don't know, five, 10 books from the actual MKUltra doctors. So I'm not just saying this, like, not, it's not from conspiracy texts, right? You can go read Dr. Jose Delgado's book, Physical Control of the Mind, which he was one of the MKUltra MK doctors. You can read uh, uh, Dr. John C. Lilly, the famous dude who had boners for, uh, for dolphins, right? He would get off on dolphins. L literal mad scientists, what we're talking about here, right? They have all their books published. So uh, Dr. Ewan Cameron as well. And what they were trying to do was just basically map the frontier of the human psyche. And so this included everything from biometrics, implantable chips, to uh, uh, studying um, frequencies, ELF, VLF. Uh, that's what Lily was involved in originally was uh, brain chips and ELF. And then it moved into the float tanks and that kind of stuff. But the idea was, what can we do to control the human mind? In fact, 1968, the CIA had a public conference in San Francisco attended by tons of famous doctors, Dr. Holger Haydn, who, by the way, says that you can change people's RNA and mutate them, a uh, famous paper that he wrote, uh, about controlling the mind. Controlling the mind is the 1968 CIA conference. So that's what they were all about. Um, Have they been successful, Jay? Scale of one to 10? Uh, I mean, a lot of the, the MKUltra documents are not available. A lot of, I think Helms burned seven of the 14 boxes. So, But of the seven that people have, dove through and, and worked through, uh, I would say that a lot of what they set out to do, they were successful to do. And that's what, what it morphs into, long story short, what it morphs into is, is what DARPA does. So basically it went from the con congressional hearings about MKUltra where they admitted, yes, we were doing all this, by the way, sorry, uh, here's a few thousand dollars to cover all your damages. Then it morphed into biowarfare at Fort Detrick where they were studying chips, implantable stuff, DARPA, transhumanist stuff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, t t that makes sense, though. I mean, it, it seems that you've got people who have these amazing ideas, and I think human human ingenuity is limitless. And right. I think it is a matter of time before we're probably 500 years from now or maybe less, we're time traveling and doing all kinds of shit. I think anything a human being can conceive of, I, I actually think is possible. <laughs> can I ask the final question? Because I, I we've had you long enough here, and I know you got to go solve some crimes. Um, I... Uh, Blood sacrifices, right? We get into that, whether it's uh, adrenochrome, but in particular, how so many celebrities have like a weird death in their family, kind of. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, again, Sam, I, want, Sam so badly wants a, a cabal of Satanists to be exposed here. He wants no, to. No, I just want to he hear just, because you've done, re, you obviously trust his research. I just want to hear what he has I to say. Because I I, whatever I say is bizarro no, time. He's, he's a very, a guy very in a, smart a guy. fucking great suit jacket who's read all books those books you listen to. I've yeah. got like a Benny Hinn TV preacher jacket on. What I like. I here, love it. We're in this I respect it. Don Johnson. You're using my control on Brian mm -hmm. right now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So as, as Sam knows, uh, I think the easiest way to prove what he's at, talking about is I've been looking into uh, organized crime and serial killers lately. And there's a lot of actual parallels and connections between those two worlds because you get into things like contract killing. A lot of the contract killers are, in fact, serial killers. Uh, it's not always the so-called profile that the FBI has publicly kind of fostered in terms of mainstream media and, um, and Hollywood. The, the real profile of many serial killers is in fact, actually, I would argue that they have accomplices. Um, they're involved in or connected to various types of cults, which oftentimes are fronts and can be fronts for 
organized crime or contract killing. I think that is what happened with Savile. Um, there's other cases in the U.S. where I think uh, like the Bianchi is a, is a contract killing those two guys, the Stranglers. Um, there's oftentimes cases of it being filmed, which also suggests contract killing, suggests uh, you know proof of work or SNUFF type films. Um, a lot of serial killers and these kinds of people are well connected. And many of them have had military training and or have uh, uh, some kind of trauma, MPD, DID type situation going on in their lives. So serial killers and, and organized crime is a good way to show that. Uh, by the way, Paul Bonacci is another case of, of this kind of stuff. Ritual abuse and, and this stuff is real. It is real. Now, to what degree, like, do I think David Rockefeller is a Satanist? I don't have any evidence that David Rockefeller was a Satanist. I think he was a pragmatic atheist. But that doesn't exclude, right, that people underneath him or that he has influence in cults, right? I mean, if you know the origins of Scientology, that comes out of, uh, right, L. Ron Hubbard, who studied under Crowley to learn the techniques of how to create your own cult. So Scientology comes out of Crowleyanism. Modern witchcraft Wicca, Gerald Gardner, that comes out of Crowleyanism, right? So if we know Crowley, we know his grad school of how to create your own cult, we can begin to see how there's, there's direct parallels, again, between groups that are used uh, by higher level powers this has just come out by the way in the well, case cults seem to be the kind of thing that uh, you know it's like i had that joke it's like nobody in their 50s joins a cult you've got to believe that that one guy has all the answers everybody else is wrong and it's not till you're like 35 with a blank look on your face and you're pregnant with twins that you're like wait this fucking guy's been selling his cock not salvation this whole time and it's really true right it's like i can see how powerful it is when you're a charismatic shithead and you go, I'm going to start my own religion. L. Ron Hubbard was a fucking bad Cult guy. leaders always have big dicks, too, right? You can't follow a little dick cult leader. Well, maybe they have small dicks, but they want you to believe they have a big dick. You'll believe whatever they tell you if you're in a cult, you know, because they'll, they'll yeah, restrict your protein in your sleep. like, yeah. I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure um, Rico, right? There's, there's some Asian cults, so. That, <laughs> yeah, that that's just, true. That that's true. the big dick theory. <laughs> But the sacrifice, like Lady Gaga, there's a very famous story of her friend that fell off a balcony and then suddenly Lady Gaga, Lady, the persona of Lady Gaga came out and which was very similar to her friend that passed away's persona to the point that the mother of the woman who passed away was going, hey, this woman jacked my whole daughter's persona. Well, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry, Sam. Let me tell you. Go ahead. No, 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 but like there, but we see that consistently with a lot. I mean, we've all had deaths in our family, but it's like really weird how like these very famous entertainers Whitney have Houston, very, 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 very close deaths to them. Yeah, Whitney Houston. And, and uh, by the way, so I think a lot of that stuff is uh, organized crime connected because there's, there's, you know, factions and, and power struggles of organized crime in entertainment. Everybody knows this, right? Think about uh, Marilyn Monroe, right? I think Marilyn Monroe was a sex kitten. She was a sex operative. By the way, that's existed in espionage since the beginning of the world, right? Using sex, honey trap operations to get information. We know that exists. And by the way, there's been- Obama's grandfather used Obama's mother to do that. And there, there's actual ways that you can, <laughs> you, you can break people down to train them to be sex operatives. So if there's training to be sex operatives and if cults know these these techniques and strategies very well, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility to believe that people can be raised in generational 
cults or in generational abuse to be put into these kinds of situations to to do things to be used. I banged a chick in a cult who was in a cult once. Best sex I ever had. Really? Oh yeah, the six foot Mexican. Jesus. Fucking smoke show. Jesus. Just the. F- I'm like, I don't know why you're having sex with me, but God bless it. God damn. Turns out her father was a famous cult leader from Mexico. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Well, I, I love this, man. This has been an awesome conversation, Jay. Um, you've yeah, always obviously done all your research. And, and in comparison to a lot of the other people we've had on this podcast, you, uh, you've been, you pulled out some big fucking mainstream books here to describe at least the effort that our intelligence Brian, did services... we make any dance? Did we make any well, dance? Well, what I, got, <laughs> what I got from it was that, see, what I, what I always get from it is like, so when we talk about celebrities... Um, it, could, could they have been products? That, we know that there are certain celebrities that were in cults, whether it was Scientology or other ones. Um, we also know that fame, um, when you get there, a lot of times you think it's going to cure your abuse or your loneliness or your insecurity, and you go, holy fuck, I'm at the top of this mountain. I hate the view, wrong mountain. I feel exactly the same, and now i got to tear myself up with drugs to bring myself back down to where I started. You know, these are human sort of impulses, but yeah, but there's well, also Brian, well, like well, raps, like there's a lot of DL homosexuality in rap and it's almost like a, it's like, it's like, yeah, dude, there's some super talented people, but it's also, there's some super talented people you've never heard of what? and, and, and yeah. to get into those studios where it's oh, almost right. guaranteed you're going to blow cool. up. Like, who is that guy that was just on Saturday Night Live that, that did a, that did his whole thing in a dress? Like that's very much Harry Styles or some shit. No, no. Kid Cudi. It's like, that's very much, I mean, Dave Chappelle talked about that. Yeah, but that's people who want to be, they, 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 these are people who but want Brian, to be But Brian, that's also popular. known, I mean, Dave Chappelle even talked about but they want to be how popular. come they put so many black guys in tr- drag. But they want to be popular. This is a new thing, like Demi Lovato comes out as non-binary. Demi Lovato didn't know anything about non-binary until it was put in her head. And Demi Lovato is looking for attention. I mean, you can say whatever you want. But what if that's the want. game? She's told she has to say that shit. She's not shit. told that. She's fucking looking for popularity. Dude, she said she did drugs and had brain damage. Damage. She might be controlled. Probably, probably. AJ, real quick, tell our uh, listeners, and we'll uh, we'll throw this into the links as well, where they can find you. Yeah, uh, com is my website. Like I said, I cover a lot of different stuff. Uh, there's comedic stuff. There's geopolitical stuff. There's philosophical stuff. There's debates there. Uh, there's the TV show, all that at Jay's Analysis. And then there's also the two books, Esoteric Hollywood 1 and 2, or I deconstruct everything that we talked about today into books. You can get signed copies at the website. How do you spell um, your last name? I'm sorry. It's, 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 it's Dyer. Jay Dyer, but his website is Jay's, Jay's Analysis. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, Brian, I'd, lo- I'd be glad to send you a couple copies of the book as well if you want. Please do. Please yeah. do. I'll read it. I, 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 love, I, I love how much work you've done in this. And and if you where do you live? Because if you can come in on, in person, it'd be great to have you in person. Uh, I live in uh, outside Nashville, but I've, we've done a lot of stuff up in LA. So I've come in. I love. I, love, I, love, I was studios. looking at houses in Franklin, brother, and I love it out there. So I mean, oh yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I'm not maybe, maybe me and Sam will move the whole operation. We'll bring Anthony. Been thinking on. about uh, it, dude. Yeah. Been we'll thinking do the whole about fucking it. Thing, man. We've been thinking about it. I, I, I baby's mama. It's one of the sh- one of the one of the lists. I can't city. sell my house in Venice because fucking the homeless situation is so out of control. But when when the politics, people are just fucking the homeless just in the middle of the streets, just right. hit it from behind, doing reach around. That's a CIA shit. op. 
We'll, we'll, we'll come up with that later. Well, a lot of them are used, kids. All uh, used up kids from sex cults. Anyways, Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show. You came, you saw, you kicked ass. Jay I Dyer. feel this was a, a tag team win for us. <laughs> Brian took it hard. Uh, and we love you guys very much. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We You're appreciate you. anytime, dude. For I hey, hope to hey, see you guys I'm in good. Minneapolis hey, this weekend. I... I'll see you in Toledo this weekend, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Toledo fucking Ohio. Yeah. And then I got Albany. No, then I got San Antonio June 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Then I got Albany. I'm going to perform with Dove David off the great fucking Dove David. We're going to co-headline that show in Albany, Funny Bone. And then hold on to your fucking dicks because I got... Mm. I got Philly, I got Philly, and I'm excited about that. So. Okay, so I'm going to be in Minneapolis this weekend. Then I got two shows in Miami. I'm at Shitcoin 2021. I'm doing that show. And then I just got booked at Ringleaders Comedy Club. Uh, all, and then after that, Tinfoil Hat Comedy is back and will be at the uh, Secret Group in Houston, go to samtriplee.com for all my dates. Again, Jay, thank you so much. Anthony, thank you so much. And uh, we will see you guys soon. Take care. Peace. When people ask, is everything a conspiracy? The answer is yes. Who and what is controlling everything and why? They, they practice sorcery. I can't argue against magic. <laughs> I don't know what it is that we live on, but I believe it's a realm. This realm that we live in is the lowest level of heaven, highest level of hell. Chicken snake gods and the Anunnaki and sorcery. If Sam says the chicken snake god is running everything, I'm literally in the world of crazy. <laughs> I'm winning. <laughs> You're losing. Conspiracy Social Club, aka Deep Waters. Deep Waters. Deep Waters. Deep Waters.